0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's word, which will be the focus of our attention today, is taken from Hebrews, a part of our uh, epistle reading for today from Hebrews 3, but then also a couple of verses from Hebrews 4. Please rise as we hear these words. See to it, fellow Christians, that none of you has a wicked heart, which in unbelief turns away from the living God. Rather, encourage one another day by day, as long as today lasts, that none of you may become stubborn through the deception of sin. For we share in Christ only if we keep our first confidence unshaken to the end. We should be aware of the situation then, that although we still have the promise of coming to his place of rest, One or the other of you may imagine that he is excluded. The fact is that we have the same gospel preached to us as they did. But the message they heard did not help them, because those who heard it did not combine their hearing with faith. This is the text. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. What if? Sometimes we're kind of good at playing the what if game. And if we have to be honest, it's probably a waste of time to do so. But let's just think about that for a moment. One day you're sitting there and you're considering your life and, and maybe your financial situation and you start thinking, what if? What if you had had a little bit of money and were able to invest it in, in a company before it hit it big. Let's say that you had some money to invest and you ended up putting it into Microsoft or Apple or McDonald's. And now today that small investment would have grown to to millions or billions of dollars. What if? Well, today we're not going to talk about money. We're not gonna talk about what if in that regard. We're talking about having a share in something though which entails far more and is far more important. As Christians, we have a share not in an earthly company, not in any kind of a a physical structure really, but we have a share in Christ. We have a share in the very body of Christ. So today what the writer of the Hebrews tells us is this, keep your share in Christ. Now, keeping our share in Christ is really another way of saying, continue to be faithful. In this third chapter of Hebrews, the the author has been talking about the history of God's people, dealing with some of their ups and downs. And then he turns the magnifying glass around to look at us. He makes a point of saying, don't have a wicked heart, because that only results in unbelief. Now, again, the author had been pointing out some of the many shortcomings of God's Old Testament people. In verses 8 and 9, he quotes God from the Old Testament. He says, Do not make your hearts stubborn as happened when the people tested me in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to a test when they saw my works for 40 years. And then he goes on in verse 10, and he has God saying, That was why I was angry with those people. And I said, in their hearts they are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. This is a somewhat familiar aspect for us of the history of God's people. You think about all the things that God had done for them. He promised them, first of all to to Abraham, but he promised that he was going to give them a special land. He was going to give them what we call the promised land. And he continued to make that promise down through all of the patriarchs. He rescued his people from centuries of slavery in Egypt. He sustained them during 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. Time and again, he showed them his grace. He showed them his undeserved love and mercy. But what did they do? How did they respond? They responded really with stubbornness, with wicked hearts full of selfish stubbornness. And we're not any better than that. We still have those wicked hearts. We still have hearts full of stubbornness. That's what we call original sin, the sinful nature that, that dwells in each one of us. And according to that heart, that sinful heart, there is nothing good that we can do on our own. Paul talks about this in Romans 8, that according to our wicked hearts, we follow the flesh. He says, those who follow the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. We don't have any natural desire, natural inclination to follow God, to listen to what he says, to seek his ways, because we only want to do what we want to do. We can agree with what God said through Isaiah. There is no one who does good. No, not even one. By nature, according to our wicked hearts, we are unbelievers. And that unbelief means that we receive no rest. When God's Old Testament people continued to disobey him, after he had rescued them out of the land of Egypt, after he had brought them across the Red Sea, destroying Pharaoh's armies in the process. He brings them to the foot of Mount Sinai, where Moses goes up the mountain to receive God's law. And what did the people do? Well, they proceeded to collect up all the gold they could, and they melted it down, and they built this calf and proceeded to worship it. Even still, God showed them grace, and he didn't destroy them. He should have, perhaps. He should have said, enough is enough, but he didn't. He remained with them. He provided for them. And a couple of years later, he sent 12 of, 12 of them, 12 spies, if you will, into the land of Canaan. He wanted them to go in and, and check it out, to bring back a report to the people and tell them, here's what this land is like. Here's how we can go in and and conquer this land. Ten of those spies came back with a report of, of fear and dread, and, and they said, We'll never be able to do this. The people, they're too huge. We can't compete. They brought back that terrible report, and God said, That's enough. He had had enough. He didn't destroy his people, but He said, This generation, no one from this generation, It's going to enter the promised land. And that's why they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Those people had been disobedient to him. They had shown the wickedness in their hearts. And those people lost their share in the promised land, their rest from their wanderings. And that would really be the same for us. If we were still in unbeliefs, if we still had our wicked hearts. See to it, fellow Christians, that none of you has a wicked heart which in unbelief turns away from the living God, we read in this text. Turning away from God, willfully chasing after our own desires, our own needs and wants, is turning away from our share in Christ. How do you know if that fits you? Are you in danger? of losing your share in Christ, of losing your faith. After all, I'm sure that you can think about maybe a few times that you've sinned this last week or the last couple of days, maybe within the last hour. Does that mean that you have lost your share in Christ? Well, if you're concerned about that, if you're worried that you have lost your share in Christ, That actually means you haven't. If you didn't care, if you didn't care about losing your share in Christ, which means that you hadn't repented and you wouldn't repent of your sin, well, you just would go happily stumbling down the path to hell and not look back. But the fact that you do care, the fact that you are concerned about have I lost my share in Christ means that you haven't. It means that you are still a follower, that God still has you in his hand, that God is going to bring you to your promised rest. So not having a wicked heart, that simply means to believe. It means to cling to Christ, to cling to him and his forgiveness. He provides you with a new heart. He takes your wicked heart that you were born with, he washes it clean in in his blood that he shed for you, and he gives you a new heart. He brings you to himself in faith. He makes you a part of his family. He gives you a share in himself. We also read in in our text for today, to keep your first confidence unshaken to the end when we think about confidence, maybe that's a a little bit of a tricky subject in some ways. We can talk about having confidence or wanting to have confidence in all kinds of things. Maybe we, we want to have confidence that our team is going to make it to the World Series. Maybe we have confidence that our children, they're not gonna turn out like those really bratty neighbor kids. Maybe we want to have confidence that that we're going to have enough to live on when we retire. Maybe we want to be confident that when we die, we're going to heaven. We'll have eternal life. Well, is that something about which we can be confident? Can we be confident of something that that is so nebulous, that's something that we can't see or touch? The promise of eternal life, the promise on which our first confidence is based has not changed. We read, we should be aware of the situation then that we still have the promise of coming to his place of rest. This promise is the same promise that God gave to Adam and Eve after they had sinned. He promised to send them a savior and he continued to make that promise to his people throughout the Old Testament, throughout then the New Testament when the promise was fulfilled, when Jesus came. And when God made that promise to Adam and Eve, really he was promising them rest. He was promising them the eternal rest of heaven. And when he makes that promise to us now, it's really the same thing. He's promising us eternal rest in heaven. And don't you need it? Sure, there are times when we definitely get physically tired, when we get worn out, or we want to hit the snooze multiple times on our alarm in the morning. But what about spiritually? Do you get spiritually tired? Isn't it tiring to fight against temptation every single day? Isn't it tiring to, to want to continue to protect our children from all of the evil that that bombards our households every day. God promises rest from this battle. From the time that this confidence was first made ours, from the time that we were brought into God's family, whether that was when we were baptized or at some other point, we have known that Jesus won the battle for us. He conquered death and and the devil by his death, by his life and death and resurrection. And so we have confidence that someday we will have our final rest. This promise of rest, this promise that we have that's the basis of our confidence is even more wonderful because it's not just for us. It's not just for a select few. It's actually for everyone. Everyone. In verse 12, it says we should be aware of the situation Then, that although we still have the promise of coming to his place of rest, one or the other of you may imagine that he is excluded. Sometimes it might be easy for us to feel left out by God. We look at our lives compared to the lives of someone else and and we say, well, why does that person have it better than I do? Is God punishing me? Is he taking something out on me because of my sin, because I haven't been faithful enough? Why do other people have it better than I do? Why do bad things continue to happen to me in my life? We may think that way, but God's promise to care for us, to give us rest now and forever, that promise does not change. There are many who will not receive the final rest of heaven. But whose fault is that? It says in in verse 2 of chapter 4, the fact is that we have the same gospel gospel preached to us as they did, but the message they heard did not help them because those who heard it did not combine their hearing with faith. In other words, people who don't receive the, the promised rest are those who don't... Believe Those who don't believe in Christ as their Savior from sin. But we believe. And yet doubts still may come. Why? Because we live in a sinful world. The trials and tribulations of this life still come at us every day. And that's part of the reason why the writer says in verse 13... Encourage one another day by day as long as today lasts that none of you may become stubborn through the deception of sin. Note how often this encouragement is supposed to take place every day. Every day we're to be encouraging others in their faith, in their share in Christ. Not just every once in a while, not just when we feel like it, but every day. And to, to whom is this encouragement supposed to be given? Well, think about the people that you have the most contact with your family, the people that you see every day. So, are you encouraging the members of your family? When they're stressed out, when they're tempted, do you help them through that? Do you offer them some sort of relief? Do you point them to God's Word for comfort? and for direction? Do you encourage them to come and take the sacraments so that they can be strengthened in their faith? Do you share Christ's forgiveness with them when they stumble and then they repent? Do you rejoice with them in spiritual victories? You could ask the same questions about your interaction with other people that you know, your, your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Do you let them know about the promise that you know, the, that you trust, that that promise is for them also? Do you invite them to come to hear God's word so that they will know God's true rest? There might not be that much time to do this, you see. Now, I don't say that to, to sound scary or anything or to sound trite, but listen again to the first part of verse 13. Encourage one another day by day as long as today lasts. How long will today last? How long that is, will it be before God decides that that time is up and there are no more chances to hear the promise of eternal rest? We don't know. No one knows how long that's going to be. God knows. So we simply point people to the urgency of believing. We share with them what we know. We share with them our share in Christ so that they can hear that word, that they can believe that message, that promise of eternal rest. And as we do that, we're actually going to be keeping our share In Christ to remain a part of his family a part of his body we keep our share in Christ our wicked heart is always going to be a a sore spot for us because we know that every day we're tempted to sin we're tempted to listen to our wicked heart instead of listening to our Lord but in the long run we remain confident God doesn't lie He's promised us rest. He has promised us eternal rest. And he tells us that that rest is not just for us, but it is for everyone. So yes, keep your share in Christ and share your share with everyone that you can. Amen.